You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode 99, Pornography Driving Demand. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And Sandy, we have made it to 99 episodes, and we do have a fun episode coming next episode for episode 100 with questions from our audience. But today... I'm we equally have excited. A special guest in we the studio. We do. We do. Equally excited, if not more excited, because we do have a special guest. And one of us happens to be married to him. And I will let you all guess who that is. Yes. Would mm-hmm. you like to introduce your husband? Well, um, I will be happy to introduce my husband. My husband, Gene R. Morgan Jr., is a Dale Carnegie senior trainer. But before that, he was the director of Hellenic Theological School in Athens, Greece. You all know I always talk about Greece. And he served um, the United States military families as a pastor in Stuttgart, Germany during the Persian Gulf era and lived in Europe for 17 years, developing a strong cross-cultural competency. He also served six years in the U.S. Navy. And although he's been a leader for many, many years... Maybe I shouldn't say how many. Um, Once he was introduced to Dale Carnegie in 2009, he was hooked. And so um, I'm really happy that my husband is able to join us today to talk about a pretty difficult subject, Dave. It is a difficult subject. Gene, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to, to join you folks today. Well, I am uh, I am thrilled to both be friends with both of you and get to work with both of you, actually, in uh, with the human trafficking show here and Gene at Dale Carnegie. We get to work together. So it's tons of fun. After and all, you introduced me to Dale Carnegie. Dave. I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been such a blessing for us. Uh, it's been such a blessing for me in so many ways. And so, um, but as Sandy mentioned, you know, a, a definitely a more serious topic today that we are going to tackle yes. as we do on this show so often. And so, you know, um, I, I think that what this topic will really allow us to do is to hopefully give some perspective um, and, and like we do with most topics of, of the serious nature of to give the perspective, but also to give you things you can do and, and practical tools and resources as well right. too. So, um, so let's jump in and, and, and maybe even start here from the high level of, um, why is this, what's the connection here between pornography and human trafficking? Why even have this conversation on the show? I guess that goes to me because pornography actually feeds the demand side of human trafficking. In fact, many of the so-called stars in pornography are actually uh, trafficked individuals. Interesting. So tell me more about that uh, and feeding the demand and where what we know about this. Well, pornography, as we know, I like this definition, is commercial sex for mass consumption, the purchase of another person's body or the image of that body for one's own sexual gratification. A Courtney B. Davis Olds uh, uh, came up with that definition. Uh, 
And what happens is people begin to get hooked on the image and it, it impacts their brain, impacts their whole thought process. In fact, I want to bring up a couple of those concepts as we move on. But I thought, you know, when we talk about the image, there was a work done, that was done back in the 1950s. Two researchers, a Dr. Tinbergen and a Dr. Magnus, played a trick on butterflies. After figuring out which marks on female butterfly wings were most eye-catching to their mates, they created their own cardboard butterflies and painted them to look like super females. Their wing patterns were based on the wings of normal butterflies, but with more exciting marks than would ever be found in nature. And the butterflies fell for it. Even though real female butterflies were around and available, the males kept trying to partner with the cardboard versions. It wasn't getting them what they wanted, which was the chance to mate, but they had been tricked. So they ignored the real females and kept trying to charm the decoys. Interesting. So this isn't just a human (laughs) challenge, (laughs) but but the biological underpinnings of this are pretty strong, just, just from the example from research too. Well, and from the demand perspective, if you're using that butterfly perspective, um, they have to create the cardboard butterflies. They have to create these artificial stories that are more exciting, that are more enticing. And to do that, they need more and more and more um, victims uh, that are, especially because of the growing demand for child children. And I, I don't even like to use the term child pornography because it sounds like an oxymoron to me. Mm-hmm. But... Um, the fact that that contributes to a child's exploitation is very bothersome. It is the rewiring of the brain that's taking place. You yeah. know, so the more there, there have been those who have reported that when they were arrested for child pornography, that they said a year ago could not even imagine that it was such an offense to them. And here they are being arrested for child pornography. And a lot of it is, is pornography has, is designed to rewire the brain. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what we call the Tetris effect. A Sean Aker who wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage, he played uh, a game for more than six hours. Hear his story, it's really fascinating. One chilly Massachusetts morning, back in September of 2005, I walked out of Wigglesworth Residence Hall, yes, that's the real name, and almost attempted to steal a police car. Admittedly, this had all the earmarks of a bad career move, especially since part of my job description was to be a positive role model and help teach impressionable young undergraduates a sense of responsibility. So what could possibly have driven me to such a thing? Unbelievably, it was a video game called Grand Theft Auto, which I had stayed up until 4 a.m. playing the night before. For five straight hours, my apologies, I said six, my brain had grown accustomed to the following pattern. Find a car to steal, engage in a high-speed chase, reap the reward, in this case, fake money. 
Of course, this was just a stupid video game and should have had absolutely no bearing on my behavior in the real world. But after so many hours of repeated play, when I woke up the next morning, my brain was still stuck in this way of thinking, which is why I walked out onto Massachusetts Avenue and scanned my environment for a vulnerable car. To my brain's momentary delight, the best car to steal, a police car, was serendipitously (laughs) parked not five feet from me. Yes! Before the rational part of my brain had time to get a word in edgewise, I found myself acting on the pattern I had been practicing the evening before. Adrenaline shot through my body as I reached for the shiny handle of the Cambridge police uh, cruiser. The fact that there was a police officer sitting in the front seat, well, that was no problem. I would just have to press the X on the controller and it would automatically pull the officer out of the car. It took seeing my reflection in the window to finally jolt me out of Grand Theft Auto world and back into my senses. Mm. True story. Blessedly, I did not go through with the crime. Can you imagine the trial? Harvard advisor tells court, brain stuck in Vice City. Couldn't help it. Mm. So even though he had no desire to really steal, the fact that his brain was so in tune with that after all those hours... He started acting on it. And no wonder we have those who start acting out the things that they watch on uh, and observe on pornography, yeah. even to the point of being involved in child pornography. And I know one of the things that's a challenge now, I, there's always been availability of pornography since you know, mm-hmm. humans have been created, but, um, but the availability now is just so simple. I mean virtually any computer heck you don't even need a computer anymore you could use a smartphone or tablet or mm. it's it, the it really does create um a whole new level of challenge and um and frustration for for this issue and with and with the internet it's kind of like the atomic explosion as far as the availability of pornography but what was really fascinating recently is to learn that during 2015, they expect that the mobile phone pornography industry will be a $2.5 million industry. Wow. We need to put uh, filters on our children's phones. Crazy, crazy stuff. So I guess, you know, hearing about what a challenge this is and the availability of it, which I think uh, anyone listening to this show would would certainly um, appreciate. What are some of the things that we can do? And I know you have a few things you've thought through, Gene, but what are, what are, the, what are the frameworks we should be thinking about this through? Yes. Okay. So really, it would be a matter of each individual making a choice to really not be a part of the problem. It comes down to the individual choice. It does have, uh, there. I mean, there are resources that we have for putting filters on our computers, putting filters on our phones to reduce reduce people getting involved, especially our children. And, you know, I, I love the families that have the computer right in the living area yeah. to where that helps to protect. But in reality, that... You know, we need to recognize that pornography affects the, it affects the brain, it affects the heart, and it affects the world. 
in the area of the brain. We talked about the wiring of the brain just a, a little bit. Pornography is like a drug. You know, on the surface, cocaine and porn doesn't seem to have a lot in common, but studies are showing that viewing pornography tricks your brain into releasing the same pleasure chemicals that drugs do. Mm. What's more is your brain actually begins to rewire itself because of this artificial stimulation. And just like drugs, you build up a tolerance. And if you build up a tolerance, you need more. And if you need more, then that leads to some acting out that is not desirable. We know that uh, the brain ch uh, pornography changes the brain. Neurons that fire together wire together. Just like other addictive substances, porn floods the brain with dopamine. The rush of brain chemicals happens over and over again, and it rewires the brain's reward pathway, ultimately changing the makeup of the viewer's brain. And of course, that causes in an increase appetite for brain. Yeah. They want more. And this is so well documented in the, of, you know, illegal substances. And so the connection here, it sounds like very strong with how that can affect the biology behind it too. And as you mentioned with the butterflies, I think it's a really mm -hmm. a fascinating experiment that they did. And so, so the brain, the biology piece of this is a part of it. But that's not everything, as you mentioned. There's there's a heart piece too, and there's a worldly piece about this, and that's part of the reason we're talking about this on the show. Of course, is that there is a there's an implication here. Um, let's talk about the heart piece first, though. What's what when you say heart? What do you mean? Let me let me uh, lead into that with just one more thought about the you know how it affects your your brain because sure, it affects sure. it affects your behavior. And if it affects your behavior, then, of course, people are going to start acting out things, which, of course, is affecting how they view people. Porn kills love. In real life, real love requires a real person. And research has found that after men are exposed to pornography, they rate themselves as less in love with their partners than men who don't see any porn. On top of that, Another study found that after being exposed to pornographic images, people were more critical of their partner's appearance, sexual curiosity, performance, and displays of affection. So it, it affects a heart because it's a lie. It's, mm. not, it's not real. Everything from the way people look to how and why they have sex is a lie in pornography. Porn users, users often get so obsessed with chasing something that isn't real that they miss out on actual relationships. The pornographers force the, uh, I'm going to call them victims, mm -hmm. to act out as if something is real and it's false. So, you know, and if it's false with them and it's a lie, then, and you're thinking that it is real, what happens is it ruins your own sex life in your in your uh, relationship with your spouse. So, th so there's a so there's a real connection here between the brain piece and the heart piece because all of a sudden those types those two things start to really connect to each other in a way that's not helpful in the mm -hmm. real world. Yeah, def definitely, it's not helpful. You know, and it's kind of sad because many porn users eventually then mean it means no sex at all for them. But here's the thing. It's really something. It hurts our partner. You know, 
Uh, several studies have found that partners of porn users often report feeling loss, betrayal, mistrust, devastation, and anger when they learn that the other half of their committed relationship has been using porn. And many show physical symptoms of anxiety and depression. But here's another little thing about the pornography. It can lead to violence. And hmm. a lot of partners have been harmed because, physically because of the devastating lie of pornography. A few years ago, a team of researchers looked at the most popular porn films, and they randomly picked 50 and analyzed them. Of the 304 scenes the movies contained, 88% uh, contained physical violence. On top of that, 49% contained verbal aggression. Listen to the language that's spoken in a normal conversation today, and you realize the impact, the rewiring of the brain to where people are acting out in normal conversation or the way they treat another based upon what they observe and have wired their brain to think of as a result of pornography. Hmm. It warps the ideas about sex. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. And so, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised to hear all of this. And I think that it's very... It's easy for us to look at this issue, Gene and Sandy, that you know, we think about this like, okay, well, that's a that's an individual's issue or, or a relationship issue. Um, but I think that what you've mentioned here a moment ago, Gene, and I know we're gonna talk about here in a moment, is that there's also a worldly issue about this too. And and one of the reasons we're talking about this on the show is that it's uh, it goes beyond just the person or the relationship or the, the pornography itself, but there's implications for that in a lot of other complex ways. Um, share something about that. Where's the world piece come in here? The world piece is the fact that because there is a demand for more and more pornography, we find more and more victims being used in the making of pornography. Uh, I know Sandy's mentioned a child pornography rings broken up. Why would we even have to worry about that except that pornography feeds into it? So what I, you know, I have a picture where I have a gentleman who's a, who's bound up in chains, and he's got this he's got this phone, and he's bound up in chains because of pornography. But sadly, I've also got a a, a course. A, a, uh, corresponding picture where a female is bound up in chains and they're connected together because of that technology today, which makes it so easy for people to get so wrapped up in it. Yeah. So if it not only puts the victims who are being used in pornography in chains, it puts us in chains and it puts our families in chains. It, it just keep, it keeps on Bring, putting more and more under the thumbs of the pornographers. And I think it's just such a, such an important point you make about that this drives the demand. Um, and we even have that here in the, the show title here, Driving Demand, Sandy, of the the what people are wanting and, and, and desiring online and through all the other mediums that you can get pornography. And 
that that is now that's driving more crime and that's driving more victims that mm -hmm. are victims of human trafficking. I've been teaching um, a course this semester at Vanguard on commercial sexual exploitation of children. And every week um, the students bring in um, current news articles. Mm. And I think that at the beginning of the semester, they pretty much felt like this was something that was happening somewhere else. And if things like child pornography as one of the um, aspects of commercial sexual exploitation, that it was not happening here in Orange County or in Southern California, maybe over in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. but certainly not here. And they've been shocked as they bring in articles every week of a child pornography ring um, miles from from our, our campus. And when children are victimized in this kind of violence, um, it's it's rape, it's photographing rape, it's photographing a crime, and it is um, it is not a victimless crime. And you often hear the consumers say, you know, it's nobody's business but mine, but it is everybody's business, and it isn't a victimless crime. the The victims then have um, trauma. They have often had physical, physiological damage. Um, they've ex been exposed to drugs and sexually transmitted diseases. And the um, when you when you get a little bit more research into how those final products, those final pictures, are uploaded, um, they crop out the the parts of it that are going to be un. Um, unattractive to to the consumer so sure they don't want to elicit guilt they they focus and it's a very targeted market well and and market's the key word there because it is a business and you know as we've talked about so many times on the show sandy the the economics drive this this whole issue on human trafficking and this is this particular um this particular I'm not looking for the right, I'm not going to say the right word here. Subset is the only thing mm -hmm. I can think of, but it's, it's not really a subset because it's also related, but um, you know, this particular lens, I guess we're looking through is the better word is no different. You know, there's, there's a huge demand for this online. And, and so they have to find people who, you know, are there to perform. Um, and many of them, as you say, very unwilling. And it's so important to understand how to identify the perpetrators, the people who lure the, the kids and who they are. And the case that's captured everyone's imagination in the last month and a half um, started off with a Desert Hot Springs high school employee um, who was a special ed aide and also a licensed foster parent. How does that happen? Uh, and that's where we as a community have to have a better understanding of how at-risk kids may be lured into this and be told that you know we're we're going to do some photos and we're we're going to have a party and you're going to be you're going to be a model and then it turns into something very very different mm. and mm -hmm. often the kids don't self-report they don't disclose because the of the shame mm -hmm. and there's um concern about developing 
um, self-image that, well, this is what I'm made for now that I'm stuck with this. And the, the, when you talk to adult um, porn makers, many of them had experienced sexual abuse and sexual exploitation before they decided that this was just going to be their life. Oh, interesting. Very fatalistic. You know, I think about the, the uh, child that gets involved in this. Part of it is that on, with this mobile porn, the ease of access, many, as Sandy just mentioned, think that, well, this is the way I'm supposed to be treated, and they just kind of expect to, to uh, be used that way. So they are definitely victims. But, you know, uh, we also want to keep in mind that if we're using porn, we're making ourselves a victim because we're rewiring, we're going to start acting out, we're going to pay the cost, you know, of losing family, losing jobs, losing focus for even a future. So, you know, it feeds into the human trafficking, it feeds into the devastation of families, so I, I believe that it's very important for us to not be a part of the problem, make the choice to rewire our brain in a better way. As we know that from Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, very brilliant words for today's uh, period when we recognize, you know, with all the research, the study, that we do rewire our brain according to what we constantly take in. So. Uh, be, Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, rewire your brain with the right stuff and not the wrong stuff. By the way, the, uh, the uh, brain, heart, and world piece comes from fightthenewdrug.org. It is one phenomenal site, a whole lot of research, a lot of statistics, uh, not just made-up statistics. There's documented uh research here. So fightthenewdrug.org. Excellent resource for men, women, parents. Well, we'll definitely make sure that gets into the show notes. And uh, before we uh, leave our time with you, Jane, I mean, there's so much more we could talk about on this, but um, what are some of the other resources out there that would be of help to people. And I know, Sandy, we've talked about some of them on the show before, but I think it's, it bears repeating that that'd be helpful to people and particularly parents and families as they're thinking about what are some of the things we can do and what are some of the options that are out there. For, for people who have been uh, dealing with the battle of uh, being addicted to pornography, covenanteyes.com is a really great resource. Uh, resource. It is a, a place where you can... Uh, connect with a an accountability partner, but you can also get filters for your uh, computer. Also, there is the, uh, I'm trying to remember one. Oh, yeah, Internet Safety, internetsafety101.org. Enough is enough. These are two really great resources to, to put those, uh, to, to gain the additional help to keep from... Uh, continue going back to this addictive drug, this mind drug. But a great resource for families, teaching your families, is NetSmarts, N-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-Z dot org. And uh, it is a great place for a resource for protecting your family. It is. And and each of these have uh, filters that, you know, help for your computers. Great. And, and you. you can you can go back to podcast number forty eight, 
International Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is the um, organization that NetSmarts comes out of, and listen to Ernie Allen on child exploitation. And we've talked about NetSmarts a few times. We've uh, mentioned resources for teachers before, Sandy, Mm -hmm. on the show. And I know NetSmarts has come up a few times. So it's great to get another another mention of that resource out there because I know it's really valuable for people. Gene, thank you so much for taking your time to um, to share your wisdom and to share your research with us. I know you've done a lot of really um, wonderful, helpful thinking for people over this uh, over the years, and uh, you know your partnership with the center is so valuable. And even though uh, you know we all see and hear Sandy uh, more <laughs> publicly, um, you do so much behind the scenes to support everything at the center and uh, to support Sandy. And we are just so grateful for your involvement. And thank you so much for, for taking the time to share your wisdom with us today. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank you, Dave, for the strong support that you are to Sandy in getting this message out with these podcasts. Because, you know, I've watched, I've watched Sandy when she was first introduced to human trafficking in uh, Greece and what has developed. And uh, just uh, all listeners know that she is, brings a whole lot of wisdom, she brings balance, she, she brings collaboration. And so it's a privilege to be a part of today's program and be a, a part of the support for what you two are doing through these podcasts. Well, thank you, Gene. And I, I second everything you've just said about Sandy. And I hope that you'll also reach out to us with comments or questions about this topic or anything related to human trafficking. As I mentioned a few moments ago, we are going to be airing episode 100 uh, here in just two weeks. We do have all the questions for that show already. So, But don't let that stop you for a future episode of getting in your question. And the best way to do that is to visit our website, gcwj.vanguard.edu, or you can email us directly at gcwj at vanguard.edu, or you can always uh, call us as well, right, Sandy? That's right, 714-966-6360. And thank you to all of you for your support of the show. Uh, We're so excited to be wrapping up our 99th episode, and we'll look forward to joining you for episode number 100 here in just two weeks. Gene, thanks again, and thank you, Sandy. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. 